be a bitch, Fitch. My name is Matthew Kroll. And hello, brown-haired niece. You continue to exist. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film. Ready or not, there's no more words to the song. No, I fucked it up. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. No, you know what? Today... We're going to keep going, though. Yep. You know why? <laughs> because, dear listeners, <laughs> dear God... Um, oh, wait, dear listeners, do you feel a sense of deja vu? I, I hope you do. I hope everyone's ears are ringing. One more fun factor. We're recording this at uh, 9 p.m. on Friday the 13th. That's right. And, and there's something special. Yeah. But there's something special to that in particular. And that is... We already did this episode. What? Groundhog Day. <laughs> Groundhog Day. Uh, my system, or me, don't yeah. know which, uh, basically had the wrong mics recording. Yeah. And we love you so much that rather than send you the garbledy gook nonsense that recorded off of my laptop internal microphone with us not pointing our mouths even remotely at it, we're going to do the whole podcast again. Listen, I'm I, I'm going to say this, you know, just once and for all, Matt has an entire recording studio built in his in his apartment for this specific purpose. So, if we have had one glitch like this in 230 episodes, that's a still a pretty great hit rate and I'm still very thankful that we're here. So, yeah, no you. no skin off my back. I know. Uh, it just uh, it, to do it, this again. It's been a day here. But also, you know what's what's great about this? What? We get to like retime our jokes, we reperfect everything that we did. We I mean I will say this: that episode that we dropped this afternoon uh, for Ready or Not, greatest podcast episode in the history of, of podcasting. Full stop. This American Life, Radio Lab, um, Today Explained, The Daily. They they got nothing on what we did this afternoon. I guess. So uh, if if today's you know if this is a little bit like it's just a little bit less than what we did, which was so great. We're going to act so natural <laughs> that after this, we're probably only going to bring this fact up. Maybe like ninety well, okay. or hundred times. I, I think this actually because we didn't discuss this on the previous one. So no, let's, we didn't. let's let's go a little bit live here. Oh shit! Favorite because because we are recording on Friday the thirteenth, and I feel that the reason the recording went out because was because it was Friday the thirteenth. Okay, okay. What is your favorite Friday the thirteenth with Jason Voorhees or not? As it turns out, because the first one, remember the first one, remember the first one didn't have Jason Voorhees. I know. It. You know what? I'm gonna go straight up Jason X. Jason X. <laughs> when now, he goes what, now, to space. Oh, is that when he goes to space? <laughs> All right. Uh, you know what I think is Jason's like a real prankster. You know, like okay. he, he's like pulling plugs out just as we turn around and stuff. He's not trying to murder anyone anymore because that's so passe. Of course. And we live in a. T he doesn't want to be seen as like toxically bad. Yeah. He just wants to like mess with us a little bit because that's his mo. That's his brand, baby. <laughs> that's what he does. I, I guess. Uh, I like Jason goes to Manhattan. Uh, yeah, Jason takes Manhattan. Is Jason takes. I don't remember that. I remember yeah. that because the, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I think it was actually the first Jason movie I actually saw. Uh, I videotaped it off a uh, late night uh, screening. Perfect. Uh, and watched it again, and I, I watched it by myself, and I got really scared. It was the first time I heard the. What is, what is, it? is he, what's Jason saying? Is it Jason Jason Jason? No. <laughs> is he just saying? No, his he name? doesn't say that. That's just a theme. What is the theme though? What is it saying? Oh, oh I'm not saying it. It's just. Yeah, yeah. What is it? It's like it mouth, sounds like he's saying mouth noises. Say it again. 
Is he trying to say kitchen but missing the vowels? He's not saying any kitchen. Oh, is man. he hungry? Is oh, that what it man. is? <laughs> You're just going to do this the entire <laughs> this time. This is going to be the worst. I also loved in Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> uh, he goes up against a boxer. And the boxer fights Jason, and then Jason takes one swing at the boxer because Jason, you know, basically he's got to go mano y mano with with whoever he's at. So if you, if you come at him with a knife, he'll come back at you with a knife, and if you come at him with your fist, he'll go back at you with the fist. And he hits the boxer once, and the boxer's head fly, flies off. I mean, that's fair. Listen, when it was Freddy versus Jason, which also close uh, yeah. close favorite for me, yeah, uh, the, you know, they had some they had some grud matches, and he threw Freddy around a lot yeah 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 but freddie now this is you know what would have been fun there is if freddie went into jason's dream he did. And, and and then got freaked out and was like what the fuck is this oh he got freaked like out. like if freddie was like oh no 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 sir i'm not coming in here no. i don't want no part of this no, he, yeah well <laughs> that would, i would have loved that but anyway fair friday the 13th uh email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com with your favorite friday the 13th and if if I hope you. I hope, dear listener, you haven't had any bad luck like we have. I, in the scheme of things, I think losing a podcast recording that we managed to, you know, we'll be able to redo again isn't that ba- a big a deal. No, um, but you know, uh, hopefully, you had a safe uh, and prosperous. Friday the 13th. Indeed. Uh, uh, speaking of emails and people writing us in and the fact that everyone should and could do that, we do have some emails this week. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's I'd read love them. Jason to email us with... All right. This first email I've totally never read before in my entire <laughs> life comes from Zachary. Uh, he says, Hi, Matt and Shahir. I just recently started listening to your podcast and found it through Matt's role on Extra Credits, but this has wildly overshadowed it in my eyes. And when I read this the first time, <laughs> I actually had a real... I was like, oh, I had like a very heartfelt moment. So I want to continue that feeling on. (laughs) You guys have great chemistry together and hearing your discussions, even on a movie that I don't particularly care for, is enlightening every week. You guys have inspired me to see more movies. And now I'm in the works of starting my own podcast about movies in this parallel dimension where, of course, that could possibly happen because we all know. I mean, the asterisk is over the only in our name for a very specific reason. It's called The Screenwriter's Nightmare. Oh, that's I, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's appropriate. Uh, yeah. Thank you again for your discussions. They keep me very entertained and help me to critically think about a ton of movies I've only glanced at in the past. Well, thank you, Zachary. Thank you, Zachary. I'm very curious as to what the screenwriter's nightmare could be. A hundred percent. What I mean, I guess what would be your if you were a screenwriter? You know, yeah, I have a very specific uh, example. Do here. you? Where yeah. to come from? Uh, I just thought of it right now. Oh, this wow. is actually this is a new one. Yeah, this I just legitimately thought about okay. this right now. You are the person hired to rewrite Robert Town's script for Chinatown. And you're told to make this make sense. That, wow. to me, is the screenwriter's nightmare. Or, or you're told to punch up uh, Being John Malkovich by Charlie Kaufman. That's the screenwriter's nightmare. Or you're told to make sense of uh, the uh, underage I can have sex with the... Uh, uh, I'm not having sex with a minor scene in Transformers. You're told to like make that uh, not feel so creepy in a Michael but Bay movie. But you have to keep that <laughs> happening? Yeah, but it's still got to keep it's in the, You have to keep, keep that in, moment in, in the movie. In but Transformers to, 4. Is that Transformers. What, I, you know I haven't seen that movie. I, I, I just know it's about It's real them. confusing because that's the fourth Transformers movie, but also Marky Mark's first Transformers movie. You know what I'm bummed I didn't see? I haven't seen Bumblebee yet. I heard good things heard about very Bumblebee. very good things about it. Directed by Stephen Knight, uh, who oddly is the son of the, I'm not sure the first, first name, but the per, the Nike, the CEO of Nike. It's his son. Oh, really? Is the director of, uh, of uh, Bumblebee. He also directed uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Which that movie is 
legit. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear very good things. I'm I'm bummed I didn't see Bumblebee. I, I feel you're, like you're Bumblebee. I'm Bumblebee <laughs> that I didn't see a Bumblebee with the Bumble. No, um, that's getting into my son's humor. Um, I you know because I look. I've liked the first Transformers a lot. I think the first Transformers has mo- has specifically one scene has a moment of genius in it. Yeah, um, it's the one where the Transformers are trying to hide out in the house, and they're all oh, gi- in and around the house. Yeah, it's yeah. basically like a Charlie Chaplin movie with Transformers, and I was like, that's brilliant. I love it. I love every moment of that. Uh, then part two, part three, part four. Um, so yes, thank you, Zachary, for your email. Uh, the screenwriter's nightmare, uh, in my estimation, would be having to make sense of one of those screenplays uh, <laughs> or yeah, or rewrite uh, Chinatown. Fair, fair. What else we got you here? Uh, we have an email from my buddy Stephen in New Zealand. Thank you for writing us in. Um, and I've read this before, so I'm just going to pretend I have read it before. Uh, hi, guys. Finally got to listen to the podcast on American Factory. You covered a lot of my thoughts and more, but did I wonder, how did you guys feel about the shooting? The locked-off shots are glorious and truly beautiful, but I found every time the camera moved, the rolling shutter artifacts were very distracting. In their publicity photos, uh, I saw that they, they are shooting on a C- Canon C100 M2. Buckle up, listeners. We're going to get a little technical right now. Let's here. So, do it. So uh, just hang on for a second here. And while I think it's a good entry-level production camera, for me, it wasn't quite up to the task of serious doco work. Also, some of the footage is obviously taken from DSLRs and a few times on a phone. Fortunately, the content was interesting enough to help me get focused on what was happening rather than how it was acquired. Good sound helped too. They're obviously skilled doco makers, but their budget might have let them down a bit. With Netflix and the Obamas moving into the doco world, uh, do we think there might be now a better market and bigger budgets for doco makers? Well... Uh, first and foremost, kudos for the using of the word "daco." You like that? I like that. I, I feel like it's a New Zealand thing. I don't know. Maybe no, I, so. I, I start. I've started saying. I've started putting O's at the end of things. Right. I, I like doggo. Podcasto. But sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Transformers. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you get some ramen noodles. Yeah. No, no, sure. None of but, this makes sense. But the the I I just when I was reading this I was delighted by by the the abbreviation but, of documentary uh, into, film into daco. And because it's actually technically wrong as well, right? It's docu. I don't think it. No, no, it's not technically wrong. It is technically wrong. No, if you're, if you're, you can't have an, a technically wrong abbreviation that's like a shorthand of colloquialism. Doc, you I, should be doc. We you. know exactly what he's Steven, talking about. Therefore, Stephen's Steven. not wrong. Okay, uh, I want to get. Uh, I I actually really love this question uh, from a technical point of view because I think uh, while. I love the sentiment of the idea that we can make bigger budget documentary films, sure. you know, because uh, there's more focus on. I think there was this real period around Michael Moore's, um, uh, 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 what was the Columbine? Document? Bowling for Columbine. Bowling for Columbine. Around that period, people and you know the rise of Morgan Spurlock as well. People were like, oh, documentaries are where it's at. People can actually right, really right, get right. into this. Um, and and there've been a, probably a couple of big scale documentaries. I'm thinking of films by Jeffrey Reggio, uh, things like. Um, the Katsi trilogy, you know, Kiana Katsi, uh, yes. yep. uh, whatever the other two are, Power Katsi. Um, and, um, uh, but, Katsio. Yeah, Katsio. Katso. <laughs> That's the, the Katso trilogy. <laughs> but uh, I actually, I disagree with the sentiment that you need higher quality or bigger cameras or, you know, like using rids or anything like that. Uh, although, there were, again, thinking of just... I guess it might be late at night, but I'm just thinking of like interesting things. But I know, was it Werner Herzog uh, did a documentary uh, about uh, cave paintings and he did it in 3D? 
So it's a, yeah, oh. so he shot it with two 3D rigs. My point here is the reason why I think American Factory works so well is actually because they're using smaller cameras, which allows the uh, interviewees and the people in the rooms not to feel like there's a big imposing thing recording the conversations that they're having. If the more invisible the documentary filmmakers can actually be while still capturing great material, um, I think that's actually better for the filmmakers. Oh, 100%. Because it allows them to capture more candid moments. Like there was, a, you know, the, the, the moment in American uh, Factory. So, uh, listeners, please go back to uh, listen to our episode about American Factory with uh, wonderful guest Zishan Alim, who came and joined us for that conversation. Um, I think there, there's a moment in that documentary where uh, a factory worker basically tells the filmmaker that they're, and I don't think they realize this, but essentially that they're going to com- they're committing a crime. Um, you know, like something that would be highly yeah, yeah, illegal. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wonder about whether you'd be able to capture that if you had a big camera rig no. and you came in, sit up, put up lights and all that stuff. No Whereas way. if you could just walk into a room and be like, oh, let's just, can you just tell me about this? And the camera was just there or you just kind of like threw it up. Uh, I think that's actually bitter in those situations. So uh, Stephen is a, a TV news camera operator, documentary filmmaker gotcha. and, and um, narrative film. He actually helped me on a project recently as well. So he knows a lot about this. I, I just come from a point of view that the the smaller footprint you can have in these scenarios is actually a bitter uh, case uh, for for the filmmakers. I think I agree with that for the for the most part. Uh, in this particular case, I I did. I'm trying to even think if I even noticed the rolling shutter itself. Right. Um, but I guess it also. I mean, it, it, there's an interesting sort of threshold between like. The technical, I don't want to say acumen or just or like uh, uh, showing what you're spending your money on on the screen. Yeah. And like for this, I thought it was a very good looking documentary. Yeah, it's well, but well colored. And also the second something is a doco. Yeah. I do forgive a lot of technical aspects. Yeah. And if the sound and the color work is is on is up to snuff, yeah. then I'm good to go. But I can totally see I can totally see the gripe, Stephen. I just I just didn't see it in the moment. I don't think I don't think it was a gripe. I think he's just asking like an interesting question about uh, documentary filmmaking. The other thing, just one final point on this. I think our vernacular to um, captured footage is has changed in the last ten years because of the advent of iPhones and the fact that everyone has a camera in their pocket now. I think we're much more open to seeing footage that you know looks yeah. a little bit janky because we're for we're, better or worse for better or worse because we're exposed to it and and what we're more interested in is like the actual content behind it. and sometimes that content is heightened by the way by the fact that it's like uh created uh in a sort of ad hoc fashion you know a great fictional you uh deployment of that idea is of course the Blair Witch Project you know which basically uses handheld DV style footage to heighten the 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 terror because it's about how you know where there's a relationship between the audience and what's being captured. It was handheld film though, wasn't it? Wasn't it a film camera? No, it's DV. It's a it's a. It video. was DV. Yeah. For whatever a... reason, I thought in my brain Blair Witch was like, oh, they found the film canister. No, no, because the other the joke about the Blair Witch pro, uh, project was it's actually a forty thousand dollar film, and everyone was like, dude, you could have made this for twenty bucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone was like, I love me some Blair Witch Project. So uh, thank you, Stephen, again for writing us in at onlymoviepodcast at uh, gmail.com or hitting us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. One final thing I wanted to talk about just because it's Friday the 13th and this news just came out today, which is great that we got a chance to redo. It happened the, after the it, first record? It happened after the wow, first recording. Wow, okay, fresh stuff for me. You got a drink in your hand? Yeah, let's, here we go. Let's pour one out for the death of Movie Pass, which is going completely offline as of tomorrow. I did September, not hear that. September 14th, Movie Pass is no longer with us. <laughs> Um, did you read there's a fascinating article 
about you know because I was always kind of like on the side of Movie Pass in terms of like the little engine that could. That I sh- was until I wasn't. Well, I just like the idea that they were shaking up the 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 industry and like change and they and I think for better or worse, uh, Movie Pass has done that. You know, now you have the Regal uh, subscription model, AMC, you got the AMC subscription model. I actually met an economist in New Zealand recently, or he, economist who was visiting me here. Yeah, and and he, and he was telling me about this the notion that all. Um, uh, the the nature of transactions are all changing, which is that he he basically was talking about the fact that uh, prior to two thousand and eight, um, you know, you could still buy like you owned your iPhone. Uh, now you buy it kind of on a pay payoff system, and he he said essentially what you're getting there is actually just a subscription to well, the you're o- leasing it to the OS system. Yeah, and he was talking a lot about how like everyone is slowly shifting away from uh, delivery of products to delivery of service. Same in gaming, man. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, don't, I, I you don't own anything. Again, today I bought, uh, though I'm not a, a huge fan, though I'm not as yeah. against it as most other people. The Epic Game Store, oh yeah, um, is the it's a P- Epic is the company that does Fortnite yeah. and like all that stuff. But they made a deal on PC that they get Borderlands six months before Steam does, and it was right. a big hubbubaloo. But I love Borderlands, and I will do. I, you know, it's another launcher and all that stuff. But again, even in the licensing agreement of everything, like. We don't. I don't own what I just bought. I I paid sixty dollars to essentially like. You think you'll be able to download it forever, but also like I would an interesting game model for that be um, rather than paying sixty dollars for it. What if you paid two dollars a month? Uh, you know, like for and example, that's what I thought Stadia was going to be, oh, but yeah. it's not. You you pay a subscription and then you, you buy, buy the sixty dollar games? games on Stadia. And look, Google does a lot of great stuff. Yeah, Google runs half of my life and business, but. <laughs> Uh, also, Google, uh, as a company, for better or worse, uh, tries a bunch of different stuff, see what sticks, and then just abandon stuff wholesale if it doesn't work. So if Stadia somehow tanks, yeah, and people have dumped like, because you're not even you're not, like even with Borderlands today, like I bought it and then I downloaded all of the game onto my hard drive. Mm-hmm. And in a world where maybe the Epic Game Store goes away, maybe there's a hack someone makes where I can still play Borderlands, right? Right. right. Because I have the data. Yeah, but, but, but Stadia, be, you yeah. don't have the data. You don't have the data. It's a streaming service, essentially, for uh, a CPU. Yeah. Right? That, like, so you're buying a game that's not, the data's not even on the hard on your hard drive. Yeah. It's so weird. I feel like we're going to get to a point in our culture where you're going to walk into a person's apartment, and there's going to be nothing there. It's just going to be literally, there's no couch, there's no tables, there's nothing until you put on a pair of glo- uh, goggles, which you have to pay a subscription service for, and all of a sudden, everything that you think is there is there. You know That'd what I mean? Pretty dope. Yeah, I think uh, until the electricity goes out, until then you're, the electric- then and you're then you're, yeah, and then like everyone's, you know, like your electricity goes out, the matrix turns off, and we're back to it. Anyway, movie passes. <laughs> this is movie all- passes dead. Movie. Um, you know, I don't think the the other services would have come as quickly to America had MoviePass not exist. I understand in the UK and a couple other places there were already these services, and MoviePass kind of took the model from them and was like, "What about America?" Yeah. Um, but I don't think that we would have been pressured enough. You you got to read this article. I don't know which magazine it was in or which. Uh... Then how am I going to read the article? You could Google it. I can't. <laughs> you could Google it. Google article <laughs> on. Movie Pass, uh, and they and it basically went through their. <laughs> Give me something I, else to Google other I believe, than Movie Pass. I, I actually believe it might have been Forbes or Business Insider. Okay, uh, but it was an interesting article about their business practices uh, and how shady it actually was there to the point where they were so they were hemorrhaging money so much that they would uh, the CEO or someone in management uh, uh, made staff. 
reset everyone's passwords so that they couldn't log in to go see a movie. Uh, and then they would like they were constantly changing things so that they couldn't do it. And then the other thing was MoviePass actually tried to become like a Spotify, so they would hold like parties at uh, at certain events, and they had DJs coming, but no one would turn up uh, because it was like it was still a weird thing. And they had influences come through. It was it was. They're the fire fest of movie uh, subscription services. That's really what it sounded like. It sounded it was very akin to fire fest. So at any rate, Friday the Thirteenth is the last day of MoviePass. If it's uh, so it, suiting, uh, you wouldn't you know you've passed the date if you're listening. To this podcast, but you could probably. Uh, I hope you got to see one more screening of um, what. What would you have been able? Like, wh- how narrow did the field? It got get? real narrow yeah. by the end. By like, the- it let you see like maybe the Goldfinch at like two p.m. on a Wednesday in a in like Tucson or somewhere like that. Yeah, or nowhere in, near you. Yeah, no. The only <laughs> screening was like a thousand miles away. But it would give you the phone number <laughs> of someone who would leave their audio on while they watched it there. <laughs> so there's a great video, uh, and you can search. I think it's called Ask a CEO, and they do the CEO of of MoviePass, not the real one but it's an actor playing oh, how yeah. desperate he is uh, to questions and like trying to basically <laughs> form out <laughs> ideas from the audience about what movie pass should do or what it what people want it's very very funny check oh that out. you know what okay so now moving into the film that we're actually going to discuss i feel like the family in ready or not the lost ladamas Yes, they would move into subscription gaming services. That, like that's the that's the pact that they will make for uh, for sequels of this movie. Matt, can you tell us what Ready or Not, a movie I'm very excited about, uh, is about? Yeah, I absolutely can. A bride's wedding night takes a sinister turn when her eccentric new in-laws force her to take part in a terrifying game. Chickers was it? Chickers? No, but like I've, I tiddlywinks. So. Okay. Four. It was Connect Four, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was Connect Play Four. Play Connect Four with my toddler. It is terrifying. Go for it! I win. You just you never know when the uh, when the uh, pieces are going to be thrown against the wall. Uh, I just want to say something real quick up okay. top about before we get into the games and the movie and everything. This is the first film in a long time that I knew absolutely nothing other than the movie poster standee I saw in the in like movie theaters when I'd go see other films. I knew nothing about this. Oh, you kind of had like the trailerless experience. I a- yeah, I actually thought based on just glancing and walking by the standee, yeah. uh, I thought it was like a period like a western period piece. I could see that. Cuz she's that. got the bandolier with the elephant gun ammunition. The dress is slightly antiquated. And, and it looks it looked like sort of old even though it turns out that it's dirty. Mm-hmm. Like the the and like everyone around you on the halo of people all were wielding old timey weapons what would the ready or not western be i have no idea i did not know what this thing was and hide and seek they'd be playing russian roulette right? maybe yeah. maybe uh but then uh so it was just it was a real refreshing ride when i uh did, did, you, when I did you did you kind of enjoy that experience of like not knowing anything so in this case, absolutely yes. Yeah. I, I don't think that would be that. So I'm too curious about. Um, Did you watch? So you didn't even watch the trailer after, no, I, after no. we talked about doing this movie. No, okay. no. Um, and the like for you know for things I am actively invested in, you know, mm-hmm. cinematic universes or you know Star Wars or like whatever, like those type of things. Yeah. I need. I like knowing the information early, not yeah. not like spoiler level early, but like I'll watch the trailer. Yeah. Like you know, I like that. I heard. I think Palpatine laugh in that trailer. Like I'm like, ooh, and that got me like whatever that's, that's a spoiler for me buddy. for you all right well you never know it could could have been jar jar no one knows no oh, one saw I would, a thing i would love that so much 
much. <laughs> if, if this is all been building up to a return of Jar Jar. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it was just a really nice experience. It's, it's good, right? Like it, it feels, uh, here's the thing. I, I think um, uh, you might have the perception that because I don't watch the trailers, I don't know what what movies are about and what's happening, uh, which is not the case. I, I think I'm fairly up to date about a lot of movies. Sure. Um, and and the thing that I'm just trying to avoid without watching the trailer is I don't want to see the moments out of context. That's that's real. I don't I don't mind knowing what the synopsis. In fact, I want to know what the synopsis of most movies are. I don't mind knowing uh, detail, little plot details. What I don't want to do is is see moments. I, and I, I don't want to see the moments. Like I, you could. You don't you want know, to be waiting to piece it together in your brain. Like yeah, I know this takes place on a cruise ship. When's the cruise ship? Exactly. Scene? I don't want to have. I don't want to be thinking ahead of the movie. So I love it when I like I you know uh, we went to the same screening. I turned up a little bit later than you. It was almost empty. You, you broke a chair. I did. I broke. <laughs> Chair. I was like that buffoon in the front aisle who was like waddling in late. Like Jamie and I are sitting back, like back center, like row J out of a theater full of a full alphabet, right? And Shahir, I think, like you like sitting a little bit closer than I do normally. You know what it uh, was? I, I, can I just tell you why I actually did that? Okay, it's because we've had this conversation before where you're like, if you pick a seat, you goddamn stay with that seat. And so I'd pick the seat, and no, I, was, I meant more of like if you have it on your ticket stuff. Yeah, it was oh, all, yeah, yeah. So I picked that seat, and then I saw you guys there, and I was like. No, no, I'm going to stick to my seat. But also, I texted you our seats so you could pick a seat next to my seat. I, I actually so, didn't, I didn't so get that So I take. wasn't just a dick. <laughs> but so Sheer sits down about two or three rows uh, ahead and against an aisle, and then we just hear, <laughs> and we both, me and Jamie, look over, and he just like like triumphantly, like he killed a bear, like holds up the armrest of this seat, and then I'm like, what just happened? And he puts it down, and he walks to another seat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, li- I'm the- like, I'm literally, like uh, Mystery 3000 this uh, you know yeah, the, Mystery this Science Theater Mystery Science Theater this 3000 the entire movie experience I'm like walking in front I'm throwing chairs up I'm a monster it of a human being it was very enjoyable and uh, yeah but no I, uh, I I wanted to sit in my designated seat which I don't think I did in the end by the way no you didn't because the, the seat was broken it's not your fault it's not you, don't, you didn't know your own strength but you know what I love what I love is uh, the, the, the 20th Century Fox logo appears Fox Leadership like pictures Starts up and then I was and then I just have this I, I have this moment before almost everything I see now, complete blank slate. I'm like I don't know what I'm about to get. I don't know any images I'm about to see. I I like I literally often because I haven't been inundated with the trailer or anything like that. I sit down and it's like, oh, what is this I'm watching right now? And and what's what I like about that experience is I have to come to terms with the film on its terms. You know what I mean? Like, I have to watch it on its terms. Like it's a sentient being? No, I, I, I am not bringing any preconceptions to this film. So I'll, Well, or, you are. You're just not bringing... Because you even said yourself, you like research and you know plot points and you have things. Like, I, you're, you're bringing I, I, some so stuff, but I, not I, visually. What I knew about this film is that there was a wedding and that there was a game that had to be played and the game was a little bit like um, the most dangerous game. That's what I brought to it. Okay. And, and so then I was like... Okay, what am I in for? And it, and I love just that experience of like having to like deal with the movie on its own terms. It's like, how does this tell me the story? I've got no context for the for the story that you're give, you're about to give me. So, does it going to work? Is it going to actually play to to what I think it does? And and I'll I guess I'll go first. Do it. I was 
absolutely delighted with this film. This wow. is this is uh, uh, just a terrific ride of a movie. It's a funhouse ride of a movie, more so than It uh, Chapter 2, which is the movie we discussed last week. But it is uh, an incredible... Though there movie. is a physical funhouse in It Chapter 2. Which is nowhere near as fun right. as this one. There we go. Um, but I loved that um, this the concept of this movie, the idea... That there is this wealth, you know, extraordinarily wealthy family that has this unusual ritual that they do for new, um, new members of the family, so to speak, where people have to like play a game or you know choose uh, out of a special magic box this a particular game. And some people might get chased, some people might get checkers. If you get hide and seek for some reason, oh fuck, it's a, it's all on apparently. Um, and and I the the conceit for that I think is so strong because it's built on such great dynamics. You know the fact that this is a an or a, 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 a Samara Weaving's character Grace uh, is a is a woman who's been brought up in foster homes. Yep. Who's being brought into one of the wealthiest, most extravagant, you know, kind of rich and affluent families. <laughs> game designers. Game go <laughs> game owners. Game owners. And actually, to be They're, to be fair, they do. When I first heard, it's like, oh, it's the gaming family, or as they call it in the trailer, the Dominion. Yeah. Right, uh, I was like, "How the hell did they afford all this shit?" And then they sort of tell the story a little bit, which yeah. I liked about like how the father, the great grandfather, and everything, and then how this guy, who is the current father, the the, the patriarch of the family, yeah. uh, basically was like, "And then I bought four sports teams," and I was like, "There it is." Yeah, there you got to go. I mean, I I love that. Conceit. I I you know, like I was saying <laughs> this earlier as we recorded this conversation earlier today, that this I don't know if this was a blacklist script, uh, but it certainly feels like it was a blacklist script. And um, uh, for those who don't know, a blacklist script uh there there's a uh an online screenwriting um it's not a competition but it's an online screenwriting service no. uh i guess it's, it's not even a service basically it's a Leonardo, list leonardo dicaprio's company made a, Way, made a uh would basically get all of their uh production executives together at the end of every year and say what are the best unmade uh feature scripts that you've read this year and they would put together this list and they'd call it the blacklist uh if you're a screenwriter uh if you <laughs> might be thinking about the screenwriter's nightmare what you want to do is get on that blacklist because now it's a thing if you have a script that appeared on the blacklist that is a hot commodity also i said it before and i'll say it again counterintuitive name when you are blacklisted in a in an industry that is normally a bad thing that means you cannot be hired in it but in this case right it's a good thing to have your script blacklisted. Not you as a screenwriter blacklisted, because that would be bad. But your actual paper and words on it, if that gets blacklisted, you're you're almost guaranteed to go to the top. What I love about what you just said is it feels like you're learning language for the first time. <laughs> it's like it feels like you're learning a foreign language for the first time. Yeah. But you're like blacklisted traditionally means Exactly. This. I just I just went through a whole but yeah, yeah. Sometimes uh, you can be really cool I watched in the a, whole in the summer. <laughs> I watched the whole muzzy series on film lingo. So What's muzzy? You don't know muzzy? I don't know. Is this Wheel fee? Oh wow! Oh my God! Maybe they didn't have it in in uh, in New Zealand. Muzzy right. was side tangent. Let's stop it. Let's go. Let's do this. Muzzy, what is this? <laughs> wow. What is? I didn't. Know, you didn't know what the blacklist That's was. Fair. I don't know what the, what Muzzy is. Uh, so so Muzzy was a thing that they tried to sell you during Saturday morning cartoons or try to sell your parents of, where it was a cartoon monster that would teach you languages. Muzzy was, was a bear. No, he wasn't a bear. He was Muzzy a, wasn't a bear? No, Muzzy Wuzzy wasn't Muzzy a bear. bear. Uh, it was like, you know, those hard shell VHS tapes, basically. Okay. Or you could order them in, in French and, and or, or Spanish or Russian or like whatever. And I just always remember, because there was always a little girl that just said, because it was the French tape in the thing, goes, C'est la jeune fille, which means okay. in French, I am a little girl. Huh. 
Uh, and and I always wanted Muzzy, and I never got Muzzy. Je so now I just speak English, but now film the Muzzy script on film. I can't <laughs> believe my poorly timed, uh, I don't know, late '80s joke didn't <laughs> land for you. <laughs> well, uh, what did land for me was that terrible, terrible segue. Uh, back to the movie, back to the Lost Thomas film. We're back uh, in uh, the the present day, and I, again, I just I I was so excited by this conceit um, that and and it's it's such a well executed film it's such a well designed film um, it, it has this sort of sense of escalation and and the the other great thing about this movie is is it doesn't overstay its welcome it, it literally it is out to tell this one story of this one girl and her one night and it never goes beyond that never tries to open up the world uh, I mean there is there's some there's some interesting developments uh, which we'll get into when we get into spoilers but it doesn't go beyond what we need the experience to be. Now, my criticism of this film, and it's very minor. This is this is so slight. Uh, this is this is more to do with my excitement for what the premise of this film is. Is that I felt they could have gone a little bit further with the social critique that was being used as a backdrop for this film. So the social critique here obviously has to do with wealth inequality, with people's superstitious beliefs around uh, their wealth and their dynamic, and how also wealthy people uh, in this particular world view the world in a different, entirely different paradigm than than what most normal people have to do deal with. Through stupid parlor games. <laughs> Through parlor games. Um, and I, I wondered if the social critique could go even further, you know, for example, like a film like Get Out did. Uh, you know, Get Out has that sort of amazing final moment where the uh you know we see the flashing of blue lights and we know that that has uh, a broader social implication yeah. uh, to the film and i wondered if this film could go there but you know that has that that's it's not a gripe as much as i'm just so excited by what this film was well it sounds like it's a bit of a balancing act for you too because you you say that it didn't outstay its welcome mm. but you also kind of wanted a little bit it would have been nice if it sort of did a little bit more outside of the thing like uh, yeah I, I no mean, you're right you're absolutely right but it's, 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 a, it's a balancing act yeah. right like it's it's and that i think is the sign of a, of a film that uh, I think did its job to the best of its ability, mm. and, and that's not to say I'm not trying to put this in a lower weight class or anything like that. It's just this movie. I guess I'll get to my stuff now. Is uh, super super fun. Yeah, uh, I had a very good time. It's a fun and silly premise. Uh, I I really liked the cast. Everyone was wonderful. We'll get into some some specialties later. Oh, I loved the aunt. I loved the aunt so much. Um, also, it was shot really nice. Solid editing. The set the set design of the mansion in particular was real nice. Yeah. Uh, the lighting. You said this last time, but I'm gonna <laughs> steal it now. Uh, the lighting. It was the the film was like dark, but never too dark. Again, it rode that knife's edge of like it it never felt like you were straining your eyes watching the movie to see what was going on, but the way that it handled contrast and the light level was just very, very masterful. I really uh, appreciated that. Uh, I did like how, and I, it's fortuitous you brought up uh, Get Out, because I did like in how, you know, the world of sort of like crazy family movies, and I'm talking like this could be from Get Out to even back to like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Uh, the 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 bad family, the crazy family, whoever they are, normally they're all like, they're like, pure super skillful psychopaths like right. they're normal and then they just snap and they have like the eye swift to the side and then they're like then they do their horrible deed where this this movie and this is getting a little into spoilers at this point 
But the family who ends up due to the fact uh, they've made a deal with a, their great grandfather made a deal with a man named LaBelle uh, mm. to get uh, fame and fortune for their games or whatever. He'd fund whatever he wanted to do if uh, they agreed that every time someone married into the family, they would put a card in a box, <laughs> a Hellraiser box, and they'd have to play whatever game popped out. Some of them got chess. Some of them got Connect Four. Uh, but if it's hide and seek, you have to take the person, the bride or the groom marrying into the family and hunt them in your house. And you have to kill them before dawn, which gets a little tight. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is the family who's doing the hunting are not seasoned killers, are not like psychopaths that like are so devoid of uh, what I will call human flaw. Uh, they are bumbling. A lot of them don't really want to do it. Characters are sort of wishy-washy about the entire thing. They don't even know if, like, because the, the, the rumor is that they'll all die if they can't kill her before the end of, uh, before dawn. Yeah. But they don't know for sure. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the aunt, um, oh my gosh, played by, I gotta get her name because she was so good, Aunt Helena uh, by Nikki uh, Guala, Guaradani. I, I Gua, butchered that. Gua, Guadino. Guadina. Guadini. Yeah, Guadini. Uh, is the only one who has done this Guadini. sort of before and had to kill her would-be husband. <laughs> and she is a... Uh, the most badass like woman with like this stark uh, you know Tim Burton-esque pushed back spike hair and she's got a fucking battle axe <laughs> she's all about it yeah. but everyone else has their moments of wavering they all actually kind of like Grace which makes it more complicated mm. uh, and uh, you know anyway I like and I think they're, they're all like confl- well not all but there's a con- conflictedness about whether they should do this and they're not good at it that's that's my, my point like yeah. they bumble they kill I mean, again, now we're in spoilers full on. They kill two maids by accident, <laughs> and like they end up hurting each other a lot of times worse than they ever hurt Grace. In right. fact, the, the only, and I won't even spoil this little part, but even a person that was completely uninvolved is the only person to really wound Grace first. Right. Like yeah. so, like I don't know. It was a it was a breath of fresh air. However. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say that the weakness for me on this side was a little bit in the dialogue. Hmm. Uh, I thought that it basically it felt a little underbaked in certain spots. It felt like it just needed like a couple more passes just to, again, story and beats, rock and roll. Uh, but this was more like it, it felt like there were moments, especially uh, when uh, there was characters screaming like ex- expletives at things it felt a little um or, or p- characters like very emotional in certain spots it felt like they might want to like maybe reined in the actors from doing some improv maybe or just like just th- the level of like what they were saying like a lot of times just felt sillier than the movie even was trying to be it i think what you're, you're getting at is that whether a person would be genuinely terrified enough or uh cognizant enough to like to swear with such grace and finesse, maybe, or yeah, to have to be to be the wordsmith, yeah, uh, of all that jazz, and uh, well, and then let's not even forget that they they said the the actual word family so much in this script. I have to I have expected Dominic Toretto and Letty to roll up and try to get Grace out of there, and she could become their new family now. Ugh, oh boy, I, that would be the cinematic universe that we've all been waiting for. I can't wait. Is it, is it at this stage we just basically want every movie to be a Fast and the Furious movie? Sure. Uh, no. E- even Jason. <laughs> Jason 
Jason Jason X. Yeah, Jason X takes uh, Jason. I mean, you Fast. know, Fast and the Furious is going to space. You know that, right? Oh, and that's where they'll meet Jason. I, mean, like, I hope so. And he wants to get back to Earth now. Dare to dream. <laughs> uh, no, this was a fun movie. It's just uh, it did have it did have those sort of issues for me. There's one thing I want to just jump into uh, before we go into full full details, but that I I think to me one of the the richest parts of this movie is the way in which the entire um, the entire thematic element of uh, you know the the thematic anxiety of being married into a new family the thematic uh, element of of the the anxiety around wealth inequality and where is my place in all of this and really going into like a different kind of uh, spectrum of the world that you live in all of that is coalesced around one. Uh, design element in this film, and that is Grace's dress. I think oh. that I, I love that the design of the, the the dress has this sort of antiquated feeling to it. It's this sort of like you know, even you said it felt like it was from a, an old time. It looked kind like of an old western. I was like, I was think, picturing Red Dead Redemption. I was like, oh, this this cowgirl's been through some shit. But the first thing that happens is she has to get rid of the shoes. As soon as she gets rid of the shoes, she tears off the bottom of the dress so she can run faster. The dress is suddenly adapted in that way. Then she actually starts using part of the dress to. Like use it as bandage wounds. Falls in uh, a corpse pit, gets all brown. Yeah, yeah, and she has to like re you repurpose some of the dress. Her arm comes off, and she starts to look at feel uh, and look a little bit more like a commando, you know, from uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie. Yep. Uh, I I love that um, the dress takes on this per- takes on the personality of where she's at in the film, and it has to be tracked all the way through, and it's consistently tracked in sort of a fun way. I it, like and the image of uh, of her wearing Converse sneakers yeah. while in this sort of half, uh, you know, the the bottom of the dress is torn away, uh, but with a uh, uh, shotgun, ra- you know, shotgun shells wrapped around her, I think is such a uh, a beautiful image for what this movie is trying to say in terms of uh, in terms of that anxiety around wealth and you know like coming into a new family and fighting your way back and like owning your position. The film that it really made me think about, uh, and I know we mentioned this earlier in the day, but it really just reminded me of Die Hard. Like it really reminded me of that, you know, the the way in which Bruce Willis is coming, you know, comes in. He's inappropriately dressed for the Nakatomi, you know, Christmas function. His his wardrobe gets slowly, you know, like he's using part of his wardrobe in order to fight back. It becomes a big deal that he lifts his shoes up yep. in the pool. You know, like it's a real story element, and it's all it's story and character all coalesced into one thing. Welcome and, to the party, pal. And that's I just I think that's such a smart piece of filmmaking, and it really it really landed for me uh, you know like it really crystallized why this film was was kind of like firing on all cylinders and it also did what all good horror does and it takes a very relatable uh human experience and that would be in this case uh entering a new family especially if you're a person that comes from a small family or or almost sort of not no blood family anyway uh and and when you're entering into a marriage or in one of those sort of things uh, you know that's a terrifying moment. It, it's like a human, naturally nervous and terror-inducing moment. Like, will they accept me? Do I belong here? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But then this movie obviously does what all great horror does and elevates it to the point with, yeah, they'll accept you, maybe. But they first they're gonna hunt you for about eight hours. Well, I love the idea that there's a there's a big what if in this film, which is that they're they're not entirely certain that they will need to hunt her and and the family and, isn't some yeah, of them the, the fam no the, I, until the card gets drawn they're all oh, like, yes. you know like Andy McDowell's character is actually like trying to you know she really she wants 
uh, Grace's character to ultimately bring Alex back into the fold because Alex has left the family because he doesn't. The husband of Grace. Yeah, into the and and so none of them are actually certain. They're hope. I think at least they're hoping that they don't have to actually go through with this until and then once they do, they're ready at the drop of a hat to go because they have this belief structure in place. So the dialogue leads us to believe uh, that. They a hundred percent what you said. They they it could go anyway, and they don't want it to or whatever. But the 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 way the dialogue is spoken spoken and the way that the actors play a lot of these scenes, they do come off as overly creepy before they have to. The aunt is in the room when they're first making out after the wedding, and she's like, "You're gonna have to hide better than that." And well, I now the, that, that, aunt, the aunt is the, the aunt's one all about it. Yeah. Yes, but even like when they first bring Grace down. Mm-hmm. They're all like stoic as fuck, and they're all got that weird like. That's when they were like the most like old like any of these other families that I mentioned. Like, and now we're in a cult. Here is the story of how our cult began, and now as tradition, we must play the game. Like they're very dramatic about it. Whereas, if they like, I just felt that was a little bit disparate. Well, I just I wondered if that kind of plays to the idea that they have an entirely different worldview. You know, like I, I don't know if you've uh, you know like been around um, very 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 wealthy people. I and, I and, actually have weirdly enough my socioeconomic status was growing up I was the low to middle class family in uh, a very affluent like we were on the edge of the town. Yeah, and I went to a, like a, a good high school and all that jazz. But like uh, whenever I went over to my friends' houses, yeah, I was very aware how poor we were. Well, it's not, it's not that. Like, so again, I, I have a couple of friends who happen to be very wealthy and I'm, and, and they're actually great friends, you know, like they're people that I actually love. They and, didn't and try to murder you? No, they didn't try oh, to. Oh, but you never tried to marry into them. Unless it's the long con and then like they're just really waiting to ripen me up. Give it time. Uh, yeah, maybe that's the, that's the deal. Um, but, but what I, what I, what I wonder about in terms of that sort of antiquity that they have, you know, that the, I've said that word a few times on this episode, but the, the idea that they have this sort of old, uh, tradition, you know, like the sort of uh, passed down tradition, um, you know, is 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 based in their worldview, and it, it kind of it speaks to the fact that they don't view the world on the same terms, which is that they don't have to deal with the sort of everyday in the way that you and I would have to, you know, like we don't they don't have to, you know, I, I've always said one of the great equalizers in New York City is the subway. Right, and if you don't ever take the subway, your ability to interact with people is entirely limited. And like, you know, like people who don't use the subway in New York have an entirely different mentality about what New York City about is. what New York is. Yeah, yeah. if you can afford to take cabs all the all over the place, or dare I say, if you are in a socioeconomic bracket where you can take like blades and shit, like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, Blades is the Uber of helicopters. Yeah, right. If you're, yeah, like when you people fly to the Hamptons, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, you have a different worldview. Oh, I want to like, fly to the Hamptons. <laughs> you know, like we we see that all the time, and I, and I wonder about that sort of that ritual where they're like, well, this is our, you know, this is our world. This is what we do, and like, and for them, it's been entirely successful because they've maintained this sort of generational wealth over time, and it it speaks to, I guess, the the. The myth of meritocracy, I guess, in many ways, you know, like it's it's not for them. Um, it's about no. It, I mean, that's what I think this this film really is speaking <laughs> towards is that this is this is about generational wealth that is not 
earned, but but maintained. But merely bargained from a great-grandfather talking to a man on a merchant fishing vessel uh, that makes him a deal to fund his board game. Right. And then, but for the family that we're actually watching, Las da- the, the, the current... The uh, whatevers. Yeah, Las, uh, Las Dam- La Damas. Yeah. Um, they're, they're the inheritors of all of that wealth. They didn't have to make that bargain. But they've been, they've been keeping it up with Mr. LaBelle. Yeah. And, uh, and Mr. LaBelle, straight up, uh, you know, we find out as we go, uh, is the devil. Is LaBelle the devil? Uh, or a demon. I mean, what, well, okay, no, listen, no. here's a deal. Yeah. And now we're getting into full, but I wanted to say something else. I'll go back to it. Yeah. Uh, man, all the order of this podcast is way off from my brain in this morning, but no one knows. Don't say it out loud. Okay, I won't say it out loud. Okay. Uh, so Wait, say that again? There's a part <laughs> at the end of the movie when they, they've all sort of like scrapped around and they've captured her once, she's gotten away, captured her once, she's gotten away, and they're about to sacrifice her, and they've been doing chants and they've been doing whatever. Before they had her on a pentagram table, this was now at like in an office because they just had to like make do with what they had. Yeah. Uh, because the the dawn was coming very soon. They went from just having creepy rituals to like basically all screaming hail Satan. Right. And that was a moment that was a little bit knocked back for me because the rest of the time they could have very well thought it was a different entity or a demon or like whatever. And nothing they've done so far was I mean satanic like like the, the it it felt very like okay now it felt like the movie stepped a little too far for what it was trying to do and it weakened the whole thing just slightly for me it's not a reason to not go see it or any of that reason but like like I was just like, okay, oh, so now everyone's just like real down with Satan. I was like, before you were tiptoeing around this pretty fucking hard, and now all of a sudden your entire crew is chanting Hell Satan. Well, I think, uh, and we discussed this earlier today. Yeah, I know, I'm not but, calling it out, but I'm just, you know, just mentioning it. Um, but I had the, the same passion before. Yeah, yeah. With that, the fact that um, shouting Hail Satan for this family kind of means that they have an ideological point of view about yep. the world order. Uh, you know, like people don't, you know, like if you're just trying to maintain your wealth point, you might you might say it without much conviction yeah. or, you know. They, there was conviction yeah, here. Yeah, so it played just, a little against what the script and what their previous actions were saying. It was a little despondent. Not crazy, so. Well, because I think the thing is also is that there's a certain sense of doubt in whether this is actually, you know, like no one's, oh, there's only one member of the family that has actually seen LaBelle. Uh, and that's Alex, and they, you know, they've decided he's the anointed one because of it. You know what this film really reminded me of what? a lot? Uh, this is the fun house, and I think more fun version of Midsommar. You know, it's the it's the boy. It's not quite the same dynamic, but it is about this sort of like ritualistic uh, environment that that a young woman gets dragged into and has to fight a way out of because of her shitty boyfriend. It's escape room <laughs> mixed with Midsummer. Yeah, it is the yeah. uh, and because and, of her shitty boyfriend. Because of her sh- like this is the thing. I was I was not on board for Alex the whole movie. The I mean, into- you knew he was gonna flip. You yeah, knew you, you kind of knew he was gonna flip, and and I was I was like. Dude, you know, I was just a grace. I was like, bruh. And also, bruh. I mean, how do you, how, how, how do, do you, you bring someone into this environment? Yeah, after you left it because of this, yeah. and now you're like, well, I guess, like, maybe, maybe she'll play, get... pick Parcheesi. Yeah, and then we'll be good until the next time someone brings someone in. Also, why, why is the only murder game hide, hide and seek? Yeah, and I was like, what, what could it be? Could it be chess? Murder? I don't know, but that song, that song we played uh, yeah. in the beginning of this episode is the, is the song that they play to give her the hundred count to go hide. And also, kudos to this film for you 
using the old devil. Yeah. The like, old devil is like, like he's wearing like a bathrobe and he's always smoking. He's just having fun and singing, run, run, run. I'm going to go find you. And like, it's just like having fun with being evil, almost in like a weird sort of nonsense old animated fashion. Is it because like, the old school devil doesn't have to convince people that- Yeah, they have to that, prove shit. Yeah. It's like, it's just like, I can just do things. Yeah. You know, like- And now it's all about belief, I think you said earlier before. Yeah. Like now the devil's got to like convince you that they're less shitty than a dictator oh. in a third world country. Old devil, all about <laughs> old devil. Yeah. I am, I am here for old devil. Uh, and Mr. LaBelle did not disappoint. You know in... who should play LaBelle in if there's a sequel to this? Who? Pacino. No, Pacino all the he way. He was great in Devil's Advocate. Oh, Devil's but Advocate. I want Pacino. LaBelle to be like more, um, uh, the guy who played Joker in the Batman, uh, nineteen. 67. Oh, Cesar Romero? Cesar Romero. Yeah. Like, I want that devil. Right. I want... I like, want kind of tickly, you know? Old-timey like devil. Yeah, kind of kind of like the the devil you could potentially leave your kids with and hang out. You know, like, they would yeah, look out. Yeah, for like, I, like for no, a half hour until something bad But the devil wouldn't kill happened. your kids. It would convert them into more evil. Yeah. You know, like... And it would have fun doing it. It yeah. wouldn't just be all about the evil. It'd be all about the the selfness that, that's yeah. act, that yeah. actual Satanism really is about. The the funny thing is, I think this devil is um, the... I guess maybe this is the part of the social commentary that I thought would have been interesting. Uh, this devil seemed content to kind of sit back and let the family implode. Yeah, because he with, made he made the deal. He made the deal. And I, well, I was kind of like excited if the, you know, I may, hmm, maybe this would have been interesting. Maybe not. Maybe not. This sounds like bad ideas as I'm, as I'm saying them out loud. But Good. Like, if the idea was that we never really were sure that there was a devil, uh, you know, because I love that moment at the end of the film where basically, you know, they draw back the curtains and then they're like, you know, squinched up thinking, oh, am I going to, am I going to like vampire out of this whole scenario? And, and then they realize that they're not. But then I would have loved if interestingly, they kind of create the scenario that gets them killed as opposed to just magically disappearing. And then we see the devil. It was like the devil wasn't really, or, you know, LaBelle wasn't really pulling the strings as much as their own belief structure kind of created the strings. He was be... just emceeing the event. Yeah, yeah. He was just like, he was like a... a uh, he wasn't a, a production manager. He was a dungeon master that kind of like somewhat got involved, but like really just stayed out of it. I don't know if that reference is correct, but that's okay. You yeah. don't play a lot of tabletop RPGs. Really I appreciate of... the effort. Yeah, yeah. I was trying. I, was, I really did it for yeah, you. I know, and yeah. I appreciate. Yeah, it. but um, I wondered, you know, like if that—that that was part of the social commentary that I was like, I just, I kind of wondered if it got lost or, or it's, it's just not quite as strong. Given that, you know, like the other reason I was excited to do this film is that, you know, uh, Craig Zobel's film, The Hunt. Uh, was a film that we've been discussing already because it was a film that was, you know, essentially has a little bit of the most dangerous game kind of element to it, yep. but for some reason mentions the words deplorables and now it's, you know, going to be yanked from the <laughs> from the face of existence. Whereas this film kind of snuck in uh, with this sort of like class consciousness at the at the heart of it. It's almost as if if you don't really spell out exactly what you're doing in these simplest block letters, maybe someone who would have a problem with it wouldn't quite notice. So like you could re-release. You basically scratch off the title and literally in pencil. Yeah, Sharpie the, in Sharpie in Sharpie. Scratch off the hunt and replace it with uh, hunters. Hunters, <laughs> yeah. Just scratch off the and add an ers, e and then you're like, it's a different movie. It's a, different, it's a great film. It's a great best film. film. Beautiful yeah. film. Or even just dub over the word deplorables with like. You don't even have to. You think you think he's gonna e spend the time? You think he's gonna spend the time? Yeah, no. he's not. I mean, we don't have anything to distract us with right now. No. Anyway, uh, my point here is, 
I had such a good. I had such a great. <laughs> Did time. you? I had such a great time with Radio or Not. I think. I think Radio or Not is. It's funny because I. I think it's. Its ambitions aren't lofty, but the the what it does do it does so well and is so well executed that I think that is a that's that's just a wonderful testament to like knowing how to pitch this film in such a smart way. Well, you you said something the first time we recorded this podcast that I want to make sure you... Don't mention it. Oh, I mean, then how do I bring this up that I knew you knew this, but then you told me... No, no, don't mention that I mentioned it before. Oh. Like, like, pretend we uh, were just met. Oh, so, hello. Hey. I heard that in Ready or Not, it was made by a group of younger filmmakers who sometimes swap roles depending on what type of film it is. Is that true? That sounds like something a real handsome person would say. Whatever. <laughs> Tell I, the story. I just wanted to get to it because it was an interesting piece of trivia about the filmmakers about so, this. Film. So the directors of Ready or Not are uh, Matt B- Bitneely Alpin and Tyler Gillette Knight. Oh, Gillette. Um, oh, the best a man can get. Just yeah, get it right. Yeah, they're part of the Gillette dynasty. Um, yeah. No, the Dominion. Uh, the, 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 the Gillette Dominion. But they're part of a film collective called Radio Silence, um, who I believe have um, uh, have the sort of interchangeable role swaps between themselves as they make films. Now the last couple of films they've made they made VHS and Southbound which I both believe which I believe are both anthology films uh, and this I don't believe this is the first like full out just uh, non-anthology based film that they've made um, but I think that they're kind of creating this interesting collective and dynamic where they can switch out depending on, on right. how they work and I, I look I don't know the exact inner workings of how Radio Silence the, uh, the, the collective works or if it's even a collective or as opposed to just you know a group of people that like working together um, but I, I just I think you know there's something about the way this is put together that feels so um, so well cognizant of what it is that they're trying to achieve and they achieve it so well and it has just in the, it's it's built on the tapestry of social commentary so well but you know that that it that that it manages to get where it's going really efficiently now i kind of just wondered if the social commentary could be more pointed or could be broader or could or could really speak to the world we live in now because if you think about again the hunt versus this film it kind of speaks to this idea that we're we're in a you know and even the we discussed earlier the 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 purge it speaks to like um, earlier the first time you didn't miss anything in this recording yeah yeah but uh, we're we're speaking to uh, a sort of place in cinema right Right now, it's reflecting our sort of uh, political and cultural reality, which has to do with class divide. It has to do with uh, with uh, 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 certain divisions between groups that is uh, fairly pronounced. You know, um, you know, much much as like uh, uh, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, you know, had that sort of class consciousness, uh, sure. racial racial dynamic to it. I think you know these films are kind of speaking to a broader class divide. Now, I you know I think a film like Get Out really speaks uh, powerfully to the world we live in in terms of racial dynamics um, but but this film kind of uses that as an effective tapestry to hang a really fun ride on and I think the that is such a such, such a thrill to watch and I'm, I'm excited that we got to do it yeah well I'm glad I'm glad you had a very good time not even in spite of almost because of you Carrie Bradshaw this movie hard you couldn't help but wonder I could is that what Carrie Bradshaw she used to she writes that in all of her columns uh, I couldn't help but wonder see I'm not, I'm not was that well- everybody having sex but me like that's the sort of like 
it's I, always I couldn't help but wonder. I couldn't help Sex and the City is a great fucking show. If you ever watch Sex and the City, you should watch Sex and the City. I couldn't help but wonder if the family and Rudy or not ever got into orgies. Because like once you've once you've bre- breached the uh, that's a stretch. The, once you've breached the boundary of death, I think it's like uh, all bits are off. Once right? you've breached the boundary of death, what like, what? What edge lord handbook did you pull this from? What, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> like once you breach the boundary of death, like a family has decided that killing people is okay. They reluctantly did. Well, but they but they they seem doing it. they've done they've done it. Like I'm just wondering, like what would, are, what I, other boundaries fall away? Well, I, I think, and and they're also extraordinarily wealthy who see the world in a different what way. What I'm saying <laughs> is, I think orgy in in the in the idea of like adventurous things, mm-hmm. I would hope orgy comes before murder. In your list of, of really? what you're building, to yeah, one doesn't hurt people, and the other one lets people die. I don't know, man. I don't think you want to be in an orgy with your aunt uh, in the room. Uh, is what I'm saying. So uh, my my thing here is, I think you're the, getting weird. I think the threshold of like what's acceptable goes out the window once you've decided killing people's okay. I don't even know where to begin. This is a real fucked up sort of uh, <laughs> equation you're you're forming. I'm just saying for this family, they look at the, they look at shit very differently. But wouldn't it anyway? <laughs> I'm just saying sexual deviance probably not even deviance, just sec, just just uh, uncommon sexual behavior probably comes before murder. In the hmm, I'm so rich I can do whatever I want. I think what you're saying is in the morality of the universe. Yes, of course, sexual deviancy comes. Uh, lesser than murder, but I'm saying that this family might just look at the world entirely differently because they're cool with murdering people. So now they're gonna do? Yeah. No, yeah. I think I think it happened before. Like, it like if happened. they're hell. Why and are Satan, we talking about this? This wasn't in the first podcast. If they're hell and Satan, they're probably. Like, do we have that? Not. Shit. No, that's. Did you see Rosemary's Baby? It's, that's not what Satan anyway. <laughs> uh, I do. What other point? Do you have any other points? Uh, I like the movie. I got no points. I think this movie was fun. I think you should go see it. I'm I like the dull points of a pentagram i think it had uh that doesn't also make we need to stop this uh i thought the movie was really fun again the only thing i thought was some slight scripting problems and some tonal uh disjointing based around uh uh basically like characters sort of flip-flopping every once in a while a little too quickly or or the way they acted versus the way they said things and other like if the if that movie had like maybe like if this movie had like maybe another uh, revision or two i think it could have gotten to like a cabin in the woods status for me like like a really amazing like not only like super fun time that definitely has the lattice work of of social context within it but like actually have a full dressed up thing or like a building built around like it just could have it and 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 this is one of those interesting uh situations where a lot of times when I see a movie that has potential, I get upset that it didn't quite reach that potential. I'm like, oh, you could have done this thing. And then I have a more negative effect about it. That's not what happened here. This is a yes and movie, not a no but, if we're talking in uh, improv terms. Mm-hmm. I like loved it a lot, and I would love it. I would have even loved it more maybe if they were like, oh, what about if you also did this? But it's definitely not necessary. You should 100% go see this film. Uh, it's going to be in theaters probably in the next couple weeks, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, it's probably not going to be a huge stereotype. So it did make money. Yeah, this thing cost six million dollars and is made uh, in the vicinity of twenty six million right now. So I'm guessing, even though I didn't, re- I don't really want to see a sequel. Um, I don't I, either. But but I think there's there is worlds to explore within this uh, within this conceit that I think if you really played for it in interesting ways, you may be able to you know extrapolate this out. I I I'm kind of on the. I agree with you that like Cabin in the Woods is kind of extraordinary and and Get Out is pretty amazing as well. Mm-hmm. I I just I I don't want to say. 
this should necessarily go through more drafts. I like what they did here. And I think what they did, you know, I think what they did here is a real, you know, amazing achievement. And I think it's, it, it speaks to uh, some real, some real smarts behind the camera. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I just think I'm so excited by how well they pulled off this conceit that I wonder what, could, what, where it could go. Uh, but it doesn't have to go anywhere. I think they, they, it's, it's doing such a good job of where it's at right now. We were so excited about this film. We just recorded this podcast for you a second time. We did it twice. This, ready or not. This has been the only podcast about ready or not. Actually, not true, because I have another copy of this podcast. So this is the only and, time we've ever lied to you. Hey, here, let, me, let me pause it a question for you. Sure. What if we have to do it a third time? Oh fuck! <laughs> what 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 do we do? And like, do we start making commentaries about the commentaries yes. that we've already made? Yes. And then could we flash back to the commentaries that we? Were I mean, we making? could. We could play a garbage sounding spot. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But that I'm, would be amazing. Shahir, <laughs> <laughs> when you aren't ready or not, uh, and when you can't hide. Uh, and I have to find you. Where can folks find you? You can find me at my website at, uh, this is the worst game of hide and seek ever because I'm just like, hey, he's in here. www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are feeling the echoes of a previous conversation that we've just had today, where can people find you reliving your past memories. You can find me hailing the old-timey devil at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me uh, in the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. We just dropped uh, actually a, a, a video I find very poignant for my day today. Uh, we dropped one called The Rebuilding Year, uh, <laughs> which is basically about how, you know, if you realize you're not going to win something or get to a goal or life has sort of moved you in a different direction, you need to just pick yourself up and realize it's okay and uh, do whatever you can to make sure that, like, you go for that, you know, championship at a later point. If you can't do it this year and get the championship in, like, a sports team, Prepare your team so you have a better chance next year if you know you can't do Especially it. Especially if you like forget what you were doing and you like you groundhog day yourself back into a scenario. I, sure. Yeah. Uh, also, we're finishing up the Ink Empire over there. We have a couple other good stuff. Ooh, a special episode I can't even talk about comes out next Thursday. So. By the time this, no, it'll be to, a, no, no. By I the know. time we have to re-record this, it'll probably be out. So you'll Shut be up on the third or fourth version. I don't need episode. this anyway. Uh, <laughs> tune in next week when we speak at when you. We're about still it. Re reviewing Ready or Not. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say we don't actually know what we're doing next week, and I. I love that toss. I like, come back next week for a movie. Yeah, for a movie. Any movie. It could be any movie. Write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Leave us stars. Five stars preferably on the iTunes store because it helps us. And, and listen, if you've gone this far mm -hmm. into this podcast and you know it's going to end in like the next minute... <laughs> I think you might like us enough to leave us a nice review on there. It helps people see us, and then uh, we can keep doing podcasts over again more or oh, less. Yeah. You know what would be really interesting? If somehow we deleted the entire archive of all our podcasts and had, and had to re-record them like Swede style. Like, Do you remember that movie, Be Kind, Rewind? Yeah, I gotta like, go. We had, to, we had to do all of that again. That's the most depressing thought I think <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. We will hear uh, from you hopefully next week as you will hear from us. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Why not? Maybe. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.